Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just want to ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen, and we pray that you are blessed. Let's dive into the Word of God. If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of John, chapter 8. If you have been here for the last five years and you have listened to me preach, you have probably heard me preach John, chapter 8, at least 100 times. And this by far is my favorite passage and I feel like I'm just committed to preaching it like every other month like we're gonna be in John 8 just because of what it what it says and what it means I think it's so applicable to many of our lives so John chapter 8 and I'm gonna read it and then we're gonna dive into the word Uh, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives but early the next morning He was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They brought her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? Verse 6, they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Verse 11, no, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Will you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, we are just so grateful. We're so grateful for the decisions that have been made today. We're grateful for how you never give up on us. (laughs) As crazy as our lives may be, as far from you as it may appear we are, you never give up. And even now in this moment, we are sitting here, we are watching online, is a testament to your grace in our lives. And that if we are here in the building or if we are tuning in and watching this online, it is, bears witness that you are not done with us yet. But you still have work to do in our hearts. So Spirit of the living God, just have your way. Open our hearts, open our minds to hear what your word is saying to us. 
And may we lead better because of it. In Jesus' name, let everybody who believes say amen. 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 Thank you. Man, I'm super excited about the, um, the, the graduates. Can we just say amen again? Graduates who graduated. It's major. I know last year we, we tried to have a little service. You remember graduation got canceled last year? Anybody remember that? We tried to have a little service for our graduates, and um, we were able to honor a few. Any, anybody in the house who graduated last year? Anybody graduated last year? My baby girl, Millie, graduated last year. Amen. Anybody else? Kindergarten graduates? A few in the back? Okay. Yeah, we want to honor, you know, those graduates even from last year as well, because last year was rough. Schools recently ended. I thought the parents would say amen. Or maybe that's not something to say amen about. <laughs> You're like, man, I wish school was still going. Um, but school has ended and, and our kids are, f- are at home now with us all day long. I want to solicit your prayers. Um, but it's exciting. It's exciting to see the transitions. God is always trying to transition us. You know that. He's always trying to move us from where we are to another level, to a higher level, to a closer walk with him. Can you just turn to your neighbor and say transitions? Sometimes, sometimes though, the transitions don't feel like transitions. Sometimes they feel like setbacks. It it almost feels like rather than taking a step forward and going to a new grade, rather than taking a step forward and going into a new job, rather than taking a step forward and moving into another another level of spiritual commitment, it almost feels, um, Frederica, that we're taking a step back. Like something has happened along the way, something has happened in our life, in our finances, our family, our marriage, our health, and we're actually regressing back to a standard that we really don't want to be at. And, and if you're honest with yourself, as I have to be honest with myself, there are times when I look at what feels like a step back, and I just want to say, man, I wish I could just do that over. H- have you ever been in a situation where you just wish you could do it over? Oh, y'all not going to be honest with me in the house. I'm the only one up in here who has ever wished. Okay, yeah, if we're honest with ourselves, I think all of us have wished we were, could, could, could do, it, do it over. I was this week as I was working on this this message I was looking down at my keyboard and I remember as I was looking at my keyboard I said to myself there is one key on this keyboard that is the most powerful key on this keyboard do you know what it is backspace delete yeah, that, that delete key is one of the most powerful keys on the keyboard Because what the delete key does is it allows us to start over. I mean, you can spend a couple hours typing and doing some research and typing up a paper or doing some things online or even writing a text message or an email response. And if you don't like the way that it comes out, if you don't like the way that you said it, if you don't feel like this is going to work for you, all you got to do is hit command A, which kind of highlights everything. And then you just hit delete and it's gone. And as I was thinking about that delete 
key, I just couldn't help but think about my own life that, you know what, there are some situations in my life and some scenarios and some decisions that I've made that I wish, y'all, I could just hit that delete button. Do I have anybody in the house who can be honest with me and say, you know what, yeah, I wish I would have hit that delete button. I wish I could hit that delete button. It's something that you see a lot of times. um, They say this often in sports, specifically in football. If you've ever watched a football game and you know you have the quarterback, you have the offense and the defense, and the quarterback will hike the ball, someone like a Tom Brady or Drew Brees will hike the ball, and they'll throw the ball, and as soon as they throw the ball, they know that it was a bad throw because it got intercepted, and maybe the defense caught it and ran it back for a touchdown. And the announcer will always say something like this. Oh, I know that quarterback wishes he could have that one back as soon as he released it. It was like as soon as he released the ball, like he knew, the quarterback knew, oh, I wish I could have that one back. Have you ever in your life gone through a situation where you said to yourself, I wish I could have that one back? That one decision back? That one night back? Oh, y'all gonna make me preach this thing up in here, huh? Uh-huh. That one purchase back? Yeah, 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 yeah. That one email response, I wish I could have that one back. Right? That one I do, let me not say that. Let me not. I wish I could have it back. I, I think if we're honest with ourselves, all of us have lived life long enough and are aware that there are some situations that we go through we, we wish we could just get it back and that there are parts of our lives where we wish we could just hit the delete button. Some, something happened this week which really illustrated this for me and, and um, you know, someone in my household who remained nameless, who is not my wife, um, was... Uh, was dis- wanted to do something very special and, and so they, they asked me for my phone and I said, sure, you can have my phone. And they had my phone and they went and they were recording something very special, acting and singing, and they were just having a good time. And then, and then this person who remained nameless, who's in my household, who's not my wife, um, uh, all of a sudden someone else in my household who's not my wife went and said, hey, it's time for you to end. And, and the person who was doing the recording was, was upset that this other person had interrupted them. And so the person who was doing the recording just started giving this other person like a piece of their mind. But what they didn't realize is that it was still recording. <laughs> and so it recorded all of the good and all of the singing and all of the joy, but it also recorded all of the, the bad. <laughs> And, and when I got my phone back and I started looking through what were they doing and I started to see the good, and I was like, oh man, that's good. And then all of a sudden it just turned to all bad. And I was like, hold on now, what, what, what is this? And as I played it for this other person who's in my household who remained nameless, who was not my wife, and as that person started hearing what, was, what they were actually saying, you know, it's one thing to do something, it's another thing to be able to watch what you just did on replay. And their response, as soon as they listened to what they said and saw what they said, Mark, their response was, can you delete that? Normally, I send videos out to my family of their songs and their magic tricks. And they said, before you send that one, they specifically said, Angie, they said, can you delete that part? (laughs) Not the whole thing, just delete that part. And I said to myself, man, isn't that the truth? that there are parts of our life where we wish we could delete. I'm sure Eve wished she could delete that one part where she took the fruit and ate. 
or, a, or Adam could delete that one part where he took the fruit from Eve and ate. Or Cain could delete that one part where he offered a, a, a sacrifice of fruit to the Lord and it wasn't rejected and then he went and he killed his brother Abel. I'm sure he wishes he could delete that one part. Or Abraham wishes he could delete that one part where he went in and slept with Hagar, his handmaid, his wife's handmaid, and Ishmael was born. In fact, if you walk through the scripture, I'm sure we can find godly men and women from the very beginning of time who, when you really take a close examination of their life, they will be, if they're honest with themselves, they, they will say to themselves, I wish I had that one back. And yet, can you just take a moment right now and think about some of the situations in your own life that you wish you could delete? Just take, just take a minute. Just take a minute. Relationships that you wish you could delete. Decisions and choices that you wish you could delete. Influences over your life that you wish you could delete. Don't think about it too long because what I don't want you to do is to live in regret. I don't believe the people of God should live in regret. But I do believe that we should live with a state of reflection. You see, regret says, you know what, um, I, I, what I did was wrong and uh, I shouldn't have done it and I start to feel bad for what I've done. But reflection says, what, what can I learn from what I just went through? Is there something that, 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 that will benefit me now? Is there something that will add value to my life now? Yes, I made a mistake. Yes, I probably shouldn't have done that. Yes, I shouldn't have gone down that path. But is there something right now that I can somehow reflect on and learn from as a result of what I went through? You see, if you live with regret, you'll start to blame God. You'll blame God for the, either the bad things that have happened to you, for the bad keystrokes, the wrong buttons that you hit, or you'll blame God, you'll, you'll begin to blame God um, because of the consequences that are a result of what you're going through. Like, God, why didn't you intervene and stop this situation? Or God, why did you allow me to, this to happen? Or God, why did you this? Or God, why didn't you that? And yet, as I was just studying this this week and just reflecting on my own life and some of the decisions I've made or did not make that I wish I would have made, I began to realize very quickly, Melanie, that God, as much as I wish he had a delete button, does not have a delete button on his keyboard. That there's been situations I prayed about God, can you change it? Can you fix it? Can you bring resolution? God, can you take it away? Can you take away the consequence? And the situation has remained and has reminded me, has taught me that God does not believe in deleting. In fact, I want you to get it. So just turn to your neighbor and say, God don't got no delete button. As much as you might want it. Because a delete button, it implies that the mistake is beyond redemption. A delete button implies that there's no way that this situation can be fixed, that there's nothing good that can come out of this situation, that, that everything that you've done up until this point, uh, that it is so far gone that you just have to scrap it and start over. And God is that type of individual where he says, you know what, you know, no, 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 I, I don't delete things. 
right? In fact, I've learned this principle, and I think I probably got it from God. Like, whenever I'm doing research, Kayla, and I'm, and I'm writing something, like, you never delete anything. What you do is you highlight it, you cut it, you paste it maybe in another document, you save it, because you never know when that thing you just wrote will, will be useful in the future. You don't delete things, and I don't believe God deletes things. What God does is he repurposes things. He repurposes them. He doesn't delete them. You see, you see, Something that I think we have to understand fundamentally about God is that one of his characteristics in the Bible is a craftsman, right? Some might call him a potter. Many of us, we know God is a shepherd, right? We know God is a shepherd. The Lord is my what? Shepherd I shall not want. He makes me to lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still, still waters. We know God as a father, right? Our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We know God as the king, right? That he's the king of kings and lord of lords, right? We know God as a brother. There is a friend that sticketh closer to us than a brother. He is our friend. He is our brother. But another description of God in scripture is that he is a craftsman. And what a craftsman has the ability to do is to not just create things, but a craftsman craftsman has the ability to recreate things, to take something that might appear broken, to take something that might appear messed up, to take something that might appear so far gone that nothing good can come from, come from it, and a master craftsman can say, oh, no, 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 baby, I can use that. Just give it to me, put it in my hands, let me just, let me just apply some oil to it, let me just apply some, some, some lacquer to it, let me just apply some love to it, and I can use that same situation that appeared to not be do anything, nothing good was going to come from it, I can still use that same situation to bring about something for that person's good and something for my glory because he is a master craftsman. In fact, I love how Ephesians in chapter 2 and verse 10, I use this text all the time. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, for we are God's masterpiece masterpiece implies that he is a craftsman. He is working with his hands. He is working with tools. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew. He has recreated us in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planted for us long ago. That God doesn't delete. He repurposes. Okay, okay. So, so, so you're not feeling me, so let me just go straight to the text and let's deal with this. So in John chapter 8, there's a situation that arises where Jesus is by the temple and he's teaching, he's teaching the, 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 the crowd. People are coming to him. He's sharing lessons. He's talking to them. He's connecting with them. And then in John chapter 8, the text tells us that all of a sudden, um, some of the religious leaders, they come to Jesus and they don't come to Jesus empty-handed. They actually come to Jesus dragging, bringing, um, probably kicking and screaming a young woman who had just been caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now, if there's ever been a scene in your life that you wish you could delete, I'm sure it would be that type of scene where you were caught red-handed, legs open, butt naked with somebody who ain't your spouse. Do I got a witness? No, I don't want any witnesses in the house. If there was a scene that you wish you could delete, but that TMZ caught, caught you, Caught you walking into the hotel with that person. Caught you red-handed in the elevator. You didn't think anybody was watching, but it was a setup. And here this woman gets caught, and she's brought before Jesus. And the religious leaders, they have a motive. They have an ulterior motive to try to use her as bait 
to trap Jesus, to get Jesus to say something that they could then take back to their leaders and that they could use to actually get rid of or crucify Jesus. And so they bring this woman before Jesus. You all have probably heard the story before. And there she is. I can imagine she's covered with shame because she has just been caught in the very act of sleeping with someone who was not her husband. And the religious leaders say to Jesus, teacher, they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery Verse 4, the law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? Here they bring this woman, and not only do they bring this woman, but they bring this woman for the sole purpose of trying to use the law to delete her. They say the law says she should be stoned. The law says that nothing good can come from her life. The law says that, like, that you got to hit the, the, the control-alt-delete and just start over. Like, the law says that, 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 that her life is, at this point, so far gone and so worthless and so useless that there's nothing left that can come good from it. So you just, everyone just needs to stand back and cast stones. And I love Jesus' response. But before we get there, let me, just, let me just take a pit stop and say that, unfortunately, there are many churches, and this one probably in its past has been guilty of this as well, that have tried to use the law of God to delete people. I think it's something in our human nature where we try to exert some type of authority, some type of spiritual authority over people, and we will use the Bible, even though we may be kind of well-meaning, but we will use the Bible to beat people up. But that's not the God that we serve. You don't see, in fact, the only people in the Bible that Jesus was upset with or angry with or mad at or had any type of negative feeling towards were the people who were doing the beating, not the people who were struggling in sin. And so here Jesus is, and they come with the law, and Jesus stoops down, and Jesus basically says, I I don't delete people. And he starts writing in the ground. Now, we don't know what he's writing. Um, Some say that he's writing the list of lovers that these other religious leaders had been with. Some say he's writing, they hypothesize and theorize that he's writing the sins of the religious leaders. We don't really know what he was writing. All we know is that Jesus was writing in the ground. And then Jesus says, he says to the crowd, as they press him for a response, he says to the crowd, let the person who has never made a mistake, hit the delete button. Like, like, like you're bringing her to me and you're saying, rightfully so, that she's deserving of death because she has violated the law. Let the person who's never made a mistake hit the delete button. Let the person who's never been caught up in a situation that they wish they could undo, let that person hit the delete button. Let the person who's never done something they wish they could take back, take back let that person hit the delete button. Let the person who's never said something they regret or gone someplace they wish they wouldn't have gone or entered into a relationship they wish they would not have entered into, let that person who has never done anything wrong delete her. And then Jesus just went back down riding in the ground. And the Bible tells us, that the people started leaving from oldest to youngest, one by one. Jesus stands up and he looks at the woman and he says, woman, where are the people who tried to delete you? And she looks around and she can't find them. And Jesus says to her, neither do I delete you. Go and sin no more. 
Jesus doesn't delete people. No, 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 no. I want you to get it. Jesus doesn't delete people. Jesus repurposes people. I asked myself the question as I was reading this text, because if we're honest with ourselves, the religious leaders, though their motive was off and ungodly and, and they had this ulterior motive, their argument was, was right. This woman did commit adultery, and according to law, this woman was deserving to be stoned. Like, that is fact. So, so it's not like their, their, their argument was faulty. That's why Jesus didn't do it. No, no. Their argument was actually biblically sound according to their oral tradition and according to the, to, to the Torah that if you were found in a relationship with someone who is not your spouse, that you were deserving of being stoned. So that is fact. So, so on the surface, she actually was deserving of being deleted. That's why they tried to trap Jesus, because they knew that if Jesus actually followed the law, he would have to delete her because the law said what the law said. But my question is that why, if what they said was true and is and in fact in the law, why then didn't Jesus delete her? Why did he let her off the hook? Because that's essentially what he did. Why did he not hold her to the same standard that the law describes and the law requires people to be held to? Why did he not reprimand her in front of the religious leaders? He could have at least scolded her if he didn't want to stone her. He could have at least given her a, a, a severe tongue lashing saying, you know what? You know you were wrong, right? Like, you know you shouldn't have been in that situation. Like, you know, are you sorry? You know, like, like he could have done any of those things, but from the text, from the text, the text tells us that he didn't do any of those things. He didn't give, he didn't pile on to her any shame. He didn't pile on to her any judgment. He didn't pile on to her any condemnation. He said literally nothing that would make her feel worse than what she already felt. And my question was why? Because, I mean, to all the parents in the house, if we're honest with ourselves, if your child finds themselves in a unique situation and they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing, most of us, if you're honest, we'll probably say, you, you know better. Do I got anybody who's, who will at least say, you would say, I know you know better? Okay, I got a few, right? The rest of y'all are just going to take off your belt, right, and handle business, right, right? But, but, but if we're having a good day, we would at least try to make that child feel some type of responsibility for their decision to say, you know what, you know I trained you better than that. You know I shouldn't, you shouldn't have done that. Like, like, like you're better than that. And we would somehow try to use shame to get that person to reform. But Christ doesn't do that. He doesn't pile on or add anything else to her that would make her feel any worse. And, 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 and as I was wrestling with this week and, and particularly over the last few days trying to better understand why would he not at least say something to her that would make her feel the weight of her sin, I concluded that because the work of God in her life was not to delete her, her, her hope or her joy or her purpose, but the work of God in her life was to repurpose her. I, I, I think that God God saw her in her state, in her shame. God saw her in this situation, having just been caught in adultery with another man. And God said, oh, I can redeem this one. Oh, I can still use this one. 
oh, I'm not done. I'm not done with this one. Oh, oh, this one still has purpose. Like there's still a lot of good in here that I can clean up. I can still add my, add my, my, my shine to this one. Like there's still something I need her to do. I think, and I'm just crazy enough to believe that, that Jesus's perspective on this woman was not that she was delete worthy, but there was actually something still that God wanted from her life. And God knew that if I add any more shame, if I add any more, any more judgment or any more condemnation, it will crush her hopes of ever being usable or having purpose for her life. Because she will feel like many of us have felt, if we're honest with ourselves, that what we have done is so bad that we can either never come back or there's nothing good that can come from our lives. Have you ever felt that way before? That what you've done in your past rises to, the, rises to the level that you should probably just stay away from God, that you're probably, there's not much left that you can actually give God, that there's probably very little purpose that God has left for your life. Many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, if we look back, the devil is a master at trying to convince us and to frame our lives in such a way where it appears as though that what we've done is so bad, God no longer has use for us. That's not what God does. But the devil, he knows that if I can't delete your life, let me at least delete your hope. Let me at least delete your joy. Let me at least delete your purpose and your calling and your peace. If I can't delete your life, if I can't take you out and kill you, let me at least kill every bright light in your life. And God says, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. I can redeem this one. Turn to the person next to you and say, I can redeem this one. Yeah, yeah. God says, I can redeem this one. I'm not done. I'm not done with her. Like there's still, there's still hope left for her. There's still grace left for her. There's still purpose left for her. And, and, and if you follow the story, some believe, many believe, it's not, it's not proven, but many believe that this same woman who was caught in adultery is the same woman who came to Jesus right before he was crucified, and she had brought with her to Jesus an alabaster box. And she took the perfume, and she broke that perfume, and she anointed Jesus' head with that perfume, and she used her hair to wipe, uh, to wash his feet, and she used her tears as water to, to wash his feet. Many believe that it was this same woman who, who Jesus had said, go and sin no more, that this was the same woman who came to Jesus and used her tears and her hair to anoint Jesus before his burial. I, I just wonder if that would have been her response if Jesus would have condemned her. I just wonder if Jesus would have, would have received that level of anointment from her in Luke chapter 7 that, that, that he received if he would have said, you know what, you know you were wrong, you shouldn't be doing this, you, need, you, know, you should be ashamed of yourself. I just wonder if, 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 if the woman would have had that type of response. To God. But God said, no, I'm going to use this same woman who was just caught in adultery and I'm going to use her and repurpose her to anoint me before I go to the cross. 
And in Luke chapter 7, when Jesus, when she finds herself in Simon's house and, 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 and anointing Jesus, the, the, again, the religious leaders are like, yo, if, if, if Jesus was a prophet, he would know what type of woman is touching him and what type of woman is, is crying on him. And Jesus' response to them is like, listen, this woman has many sins. Like, Jesus is honest. This woman has, has many sins, many sins, but she has been forgiven. And he says, but you, y'all religious folk, you didn't anoint me. You didn't give me a basin to wash my feet. But this woman has not stopped washing my feet with her tears since I stepped into this house. I think Jesus saw her when she came and she was at the temple and they were accusing her. Jesus saw her shame, but he also saw her hope. He also saw her purpose. He also saw that this woman is going to do some great things for me before it's all said and done. So you go and you sin no more. Many scholars also believe, it's not proven, but many scholars also believe, Kayla, that, that this same woman is the woman who showed up to Jesus' tomb after he was resurrected. They believe possibly that this could have been Mary Magdalene who showed up to Jesus' tomb after Jesus had been, had been crucified. And that this woman at that time when she showed up to Jesus' tomb in John chapter 20, that she was so distraught that her Savior had been taken. And she says, where have they laid him? And then she sees the angel saying, Mary, why are you weeping? For the one that you have come to seek, that he is no longer here, but go and tell the disciples that he is risen. And that this woman, this same woman, possibly was the same woman who was the first individual to actually carry the gospel. Because she was at the tomb. She was the first one to discover that Jesus was no longer in the tomb. And she went back to the rest of the disciples and said, he's been risen. Some believe it was the same woman. And as I read this story and connect the dots, to me, it just blows my mind that, that while we may be so quick to delete people, that God says, no, I still have purpose for people. I still have purpose for people to declare my, my, my gospel. I still have purpose for people to declare my word. I still have pe purpose for people to serve me with their lives. I don't delete anybody. I repurpose them. I, I was wrestling with this. And I feel like God is saying to someone here, that you've been through a lot, you've had some pain, you've had some frustration, you've had some setbacks, there's been some situations that you wish you could delete, there's been some scenarios that have come up that you wish you could just rewind the clock and you had one of those infinity stones, y'all know what I'm talking about, that green one, or just, y'all don't know what I'm talking about, we don't got any marvel, that, that infinity stone that allows you just to rewind time, do I got, okay, somebody, I got a witness up here, we wish we had that infinity stone that just, which one was it, that just the green one, that allowed us to just to rewind time, but God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to take your pain. I'm going to take your loss. I'm going to take your hurt. I'm going to take your frustration. I'm going to take your disappointment. And I'm going to raise you one. I'm going to repurpose it. What we experience today in baptism is a part of God's repurposing process. 
It's, it's, see, see, baptism is when, when someone says, you know what, yeah, I've made some mistakes and I've, you know, I'm not who, I, I, you know, I, the life that I lived is not where I feel like God is calling me and I want to enter a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so God says, okay, one of the first steps I want you to take is, is baptism. And, and in baptism, God says, it, it is you making a decision, you making a, a decision to be connected to me, to be identified with me, to be associated with me, to be committed to me. And it, it is in the context of that decision that God says, ha, ah, now I can take your per- I can take your pain, I can take your frustration, and I'm going to begin to flip it and turn it around, and I now have purpose for your life. I, I love how Paul says it in Galatians, and I'm almost done. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26, Paul says, for you are all what? What does he say? For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he says something, and all who have been, have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on brand new clothes. It, it, what Paul is trying to communicate is that, hey, like, yeah, you've been messed up and you've had made some mistakes, but when you get baptized, you're taking off that, that old garment, you're taking off those old decisions, and you're saying, I'm putting on Christ like you're putting on brand new clothes. Nothing feels as good as when you're wearing some brand new clothes. You know you're fresh if you still keep the tag on that thing too. You know, that's what the, that's what the young folk do nowadays. They just keep the tag on that stuff. Let me just keep the tag on my shoes so y'all know this thing is fresh and it's authentic. What, what Paul is saying, like, listen, when you get baptized, you are putting on brand new clothes. And it is a declaration that God is saying, you know what? I don't delete people. I repurpose people. I will repurpose your pain. I will repurpose your frustration. I will repurpose your, your, your bad decisions. There's something I have for you to do. Do you believe the word of God today? Okay, so, so, so the last thing I just want to drive home is that, that when you look at your life and the things that you may possibly want to delete from your life, what I want you to know is that everything that you have been through, say everything, everything that you have been through, say everything, every single thing that you have been through, God wants to use. No, 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 I need that to sink in. Because some of us feel like, oh, well, no, nah, he don't want to use that. That was too bad. No, everything, say everything. Every single thing you have been through, the good and the bad, the beautiful and the ugly, God wants to use. Oh, God says, oh, you've been in multiple relationships? Oh, I can use that. <laughs> oh, you got how many kids by how many different men? Oh, I can, oh, I sure enough can use that. Oh, you've been strung out how many times? Oh, I can use that too, right? You got what type of fears and insecurities? Oh, I can use that. Oh, you got depression and anxiety? Mm, that's my favorite. I definitely can use that. Oh, you got some habits and some, some, some things that you're trying to kick, but you can't kick them? Oh, I, I got a place for that. Every single thing that you've been through, God says, all of it is salvageable. All of it has purpose. All of it can be used. Okay, y'all, y'all don't believe me. Y'all think I'm just making this thing up. So let me just, let me show you Bible, right? Y'all still believe the Bible? Okay, so let me show you Bible. Second Corinthians, last text. Second Corinthians chapter one. All praise to God. All praise to who? All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father. He is our what? He is our merciful Father and the source of all what? The source of all what? 
the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that, say so that, so that, say so that. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say so that. He, he comforts us in everything that we're going through so that, what does he say? So that we can comfort others when they are troubled. You going through some marital issues, God says, I'm going to use that so that you can comfort someone else who's going through some marital issues. Oh, you've been strung out before? Oh, wonderful. I'm going to use that so that you can help someone else who's also been strung out before. Oh, you, you battled depression? Great. So that you can help someone else who's been battling depression. Everything that you go through in this life, God says, I have a place for that in my kingdom. I have purpose for that in my kingdom. Now, don't be the fool and go ahead and jump into some mess so that he can use you. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Don't make your life harder than what it needs to be. Come on now, say amen up in this place. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you go out there and you get yourself in trouble, but if you happen to find yourself in trouble, God says, it's all good, baby. I can use that. So that, he says, keep reading. He says, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So I can imagine that that woman who was caught in adultery, God's like, no, everyone else wants to delete her because of her bad decision. But no, I can use that because there's going to be some other women and some other men in 2021 who are going to find themselves in very similar situations. They got caught by TMZ. They got caught by a co-worker. They got caught by a loved one. They got caught doing something they had no business going. And God says, I'm going to use this woman's story so that they might be encouraged. That if I had grace for her and if I had mercy for her, I have grace and mercy for you. Everything has purpose. Everything has reason that God does not delete people. He doesn't. He repurposes them. And a part of that repurposing, repurposing process is God saying, you get baptized, you commit to me. Baptism doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you're headed in the right direction. It just means you're facing due north. And there might be some times when you're tempted to turn to the left or the right, but just keep facing due north. It might be sometimes you feel like you're walking backwards, but just keep your eyes on me. Eventually you'll start walking forwards. And God says, I'll take all of your pain, all of your frustration, all of your bad decisions, all of your issues, all of your the things that you are ashamed of and regret. And God says, I have purpose. And what I'm essentially trying to communicate to you this morning, for those in the building and those online, is that every one of us in here has a story. And God wants to sprinkle some of mama's cooking on your story. <laughs> There's a a battle going on on social media between a few different sports people. And one of them always says, I'm going to sprinkle some mama's cooking on it. <laughs> like, I'm going to make it real good. And I said, man, you know what? God wants to sprinkle some of that good seasoning on your story. 
And God says, you know what? It doesn't matter where you've been and what you've done. I can use that. It, it reminds me of, and I shared the story before, when I was in the seminary, and I had a roommate. The name was Martin Lister. And uh, one weekend, his mom came to visit. And we were bachelors. And it was the truest sense of a bachelor pad. The bathroom was nasty. There was no pictures on the walls. It smelled like a sweaty locker room up in that place. And there was no food in the refrigerator. There was empty pizza boxes all over the place. It was like the truest sense of a bachelor's pad. And his mom came to cook one day. She came to visit one day from out of town. And she said, oh, I'm going to make y'all a meal. And I said, I don't know what she's going to do in that kitchen because there ain't nothing up in there. And she said, oh, honey, child, don't worry about it. I got you. And she went in there. And I don't know how she did it, Frederica. I don't know what she pulled out of her purse, out of her back pocket. But she prepared a full-blown, full, full-course meal. Didn't go to the grocery store. Didn't Instacart nothing. Nothing was delivered. Everything that she prepared, we already had in our cupboards. And I said, ain't that like God? Who will take every single thing in our life. And when I look at it, oh, it's just a can of garbanzo beans and God's like oh no 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 this is like this is the foundation for the meal like oh that's just some 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 old bacon I don't know what we're gonna do with that God oh no 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 we about to use we about to repurpose this thing right here like this is this the foundation for like the seasoning for the greens like 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 when I look at the things it really they are individual and they have no connection to one another but God says I will take everything that has ever happened in your life and I will weave it together as a beautiful tapestry And when it's all said and done, you will step back and you will look at the canvas of your life and you will marvel at how God was able to make something so beautiful out of something so ugly. And you will be able to witness like all of the men and women of old who have walked with God, who can stand in agreement and say, he makes all things beautiful in his time. He does. But the first place he starts is right here. It's you surrendering your heart, saying, God, you know what? I got, some st- I got a story that's littered with all type of craziness. God, I got some baggage. I got some habits. I got some issues. But God, I give you, I give you my heart. And if you want it, <laughs> it's yours. And God says, if I want it, if I want it, I, I came and died so that I could have access to it. Yes, I want your heart. And I'll take it. And I'll make something so beautiful. You want to give your heart to God today? So God can take the areas that you feel like should be deleted and he can say, no, I'm going to repurpose that. You know, you know, there are some things that we've done that we rightly so are probably not, that we are ashamed of that we feel like we don't want anyone to tell. And I'm not suggesting that when God comes and redeems your life, that he puts your story on the cover of magazines and is gonna tell all of your, the gory details of your life and what you did or didn't do. Like, I'm not suggesting that that is what God's desire is, but I just do know that God wants to use your story to be an encouragement to someone else. So don't be ashamed of your story when God gets a hold of your heart. Yeah, I've done some things, I'm not ashamed. Because I know that God 
has a way of making all things beautiful. In fact, Paul says it like this, all things work together for good. So you wanna give God your heart today. I wanna invite you to bow your hands, to bow your heads. If you wanna lift your hand with me and say, Spirit of the living God, Father, I just thank you that you are not in the business of deleting people, but you repurpose them. You don't delete our mess. You don't delete our bad decisions. You don't delete our habits, God. You don't delete, you repurpose it, God. You take our mess ups and our frustrations and our pain and our hurt and you say, I can use that because there's someone else out there who's going through a very similar situation and I, I got a word that I want to deliver to them through you. So God, today we give you our heart. And in giving you our heart, God, we ask that you would just have your way. That you would come in. That you would give us victory. <laughs> that we would claim the victory you've already given us. <laughs> that we don't have to live in sin. We don't have to live in defeat. We don't have to live in bondage any longer. But that you can work in our life to bring about something so beautiful that will be a blessing to others and that will bring glory to your name. And when we come to you with that question, God, can you delete it? Can you delete that? Will you delete that? Oh, may we hear you say with grace in your voice, nah, 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 baby. I got purpose for that. It will be for your good and for my glory. There may be someone here who says, you know what, pastor, man, I want to give God my heart and I want to get baptized. If that's you, you want to give God your heart and you want to get baptized, would you just make a bold statement right now and just stand so we can see you? Lift your hand real high. You say, you know what, I want to get baptized. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. This is just a decision between you and God. You and God. You want to say, you know what, God, I want to, I want to go all the way. Father, you see your people. You see them, you see them, you see them. Speak to the hearts of those that you have been moving in already, God. If there are decisions that need to be made today, God, make those decisions, God. If there are things that need to be confessed today, God, would you just move upon our hearts and bring us to a point of confession, God? If there's areas in our life that need to be broken up and there, if there's, there's things that we're holding on to that we're not ready to let go of, God, would you just come and would you just begin to gently remove it from our grasp and allow us to freely surrender to you, God? If there's something in our world, in our life, in our, in our space that is, that is keeping us in this, in this bondage, Father, would you just come and would you just set your people free? And may we have extreme confidence to know that in your care, we are safe. In your care, we are, we are fully accepted by your grace. Father, our prayer, we thank you. In Jesus' name, let everyone say amen and amen. Come on now, say amen. And then, man, turn to your neighbor and say, he's not going to delete it.
because he has purpose for it. Come on now, turn to your neighbor. Don't look at me and say, he's not going to delete it. He has purpose for it. Come on now, turn to your other neighbor and say, he's not going to delete it because he has purpose for it. Let's say amen together. You are worthy of it all. Come on, can we stand and sing this chorus together? You're worthy. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things. For from you are all things, and to you are all things, you deserve the glory. Come on, you're worthy of it all? You are worthy of it all. Come on, all over the room declare it. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things. For from you are all things, and to you are all things, you deserve the glory. Come on, here we go. You're worthy. You are worthy of it all. Come on, declare it. You are worthy of it all. Yes. For from you Father God, indeed, we surrender. <laughs> and Lord, it's a beautiful thing when you bring our lives into complete alignment with your will and with your spirit. So Lord, just have your way in this place. And as we go forward, may we do so with just a confidence to know that you have purpose for us, that everything that's in our story, every place we've been, every detour that we've taken, it has purpose. That you are the master craftsman and you will weave every little nuance together for your glory and we thank you in jesus name let everybody say amen amen come on now put our hands together and just praise god